podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to Voices of the Vic podcast with me, Ben, Mike and Joe. And we're also joined by special guest, former Hornet, Watford legend, Jay Demerit. Jay, thank you so much for joining us tonight. We really appreciate your time. Firstly, how are you doing? <laughs> I got all the feels from that intro. That's nice, <laughs> nice to feel those again. Nice to see the nice Yellow Army doing its thing. Yeah, no, it's, I'm great. I, I'm great. And... Uh, uh, always, always nice to, uh, always nice to see see the black and yellow doing great things. Fantastic. Um, so we'll jump straight into it, and we're going to take you to the start of your Watford career. So it all all came about after you was backpacking. You you travelled Europe. You was trying to find a club. I think you played for Southall. Um, you was on about forty pound a week back then, and then you got your trial at um, Northwood in a pre season game. It was up against Watford. Um, it was your second game as well. How strange was it to be offered a trial after how successful you was in the game and and be offered a trial by a, a club like Watford? Well, you know, I, I think, you know, our stories tend to write themselves sometimes. And, and, and as the story goes, uh, I think they had just, the, the, the first team had just come back from like the Algarve Cup or something. They had won the trophy. And so like Sean Dyche and, some of those the older center backs that that, that that they had there were carrying the trophy in so uh you know and again in that trial game they put up bruce dyer and heider and helgeson up front as well so as as the story would have it i got to play the and so in a way that was a that was a gift for me to be able to show ray lewington at the time that i was good enough you know again if they would put out a reserve forward maybe he never would have asked that question but because you know he saw me competing with bruce and heider he's like who is this kid because you know, as, as time would have said, like you know, you, uh, Watford had just come down from the Premier League. They had a bunch of money to offload, a bunch of guys on big contracts, and so they didn't have money to spend. But they needed center backs because Sean Dyche and Neil Cox were their center backs, and they were both you know at, towards the ends of their careers. And so, you know, timing was great for me. I was a young green American. I didn't know what the hell I was doing, but at the end of the day, I could compete. I could, uh, I, and and I and I was I was eager. And, and and willing to work and wanting wanting to go and, and, and live in the trenches and so you know Watford really presented me that amazing opportunity and uh, and I was able to give them a young center back for free <laughs> I bet it was crazy you know coming over to England I bet you never thought that you'd play in the Premier League for one and for your country in a World Cup like that must have been absolutely crazy considering you come over and you started at Northwards and then all of that happens. That that must be crazy. Yeah, I mean, there's there's, there's a fair few uh, you know pinch yourself moments, but you know, I was I, I was I would do this concept called like dreaming big but thinking small. Like so, like dreaming big was always like you know every footballer wants to play for their country, every footballer wants to play pro, but thinking small is like okay, like what team am I on and how do I actually get to the professional level? And so that's what I was concentrating on. And 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 Watford. Again, by playing against the, in that game against uh, Northwood, allowed me the opportunity to be in the pro in the pro show and 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 making the team and you know that Real Zaragoza game where I got that trial game where they you know Ray Lewington didn't really even tell me that I was even going to play and then he started me against Real Zaragoza in my trial game, but those moments really kind of put you put you in that environment and, and make you understand that you belong to be there and so. You know, I kind of hit, tried to hit the ground running. I, I didn't want to waste time. I, I was already late to the game. I was 23. I was an American. I was already late. And so, like, for me, it was just about maintaining maintaining focus on on being a good player and, and, and doing what I could to actually play. 
that was always my first step. And and so that kind of thinking small, like, okay, I, if I'm ever going to play for my country, I got to play for Watford. I got to be, now I don't just got to play for Watford. I got to be a good player for Watford. And so, so with that, you know, my mindset was like, how do I actually become a really good player for this club? And, 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 and that allowed me to, to happen. I, and I, I very fondly remember that for my first season, I got to play at Anfield. Um, you remember when we, in the, I think it was the Carling Cup back then. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah. We had that, that home and away leg against Liverpool. And, you know, for me to be able to walk out of Anfield in my first season as a backpacker who walked there at 20, you know, 23 was, was, was absolutely wild. But when you can walk off those fields, understanding that you actually did a pretty good job and you deserve to be there, you know, then your mindset can shift quite quickly to see where you can go. And so, you know, I think for me, it was about maintaining that relationship with myself. It's like, don't be surprised you're here. Own the responsibility that you are here now. Respect the responsibility. You got to go out there and do a good job, and, and go out there and, 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 and do your job. And so that that was really where my focus was. Uh, you know, when I first got to Watford. Yeah, that um, obviously you touched on that being your first season with um, with obviously Lewington as manager. Um, he brought you to the club and obviously showed faith in you. Um, but left towards the end of that season. Obviously, we were struggling, weren't we, towards the back end of the season. We are in a bit of a relegation battle. He left and, and AD came in. Um, what um, what would you say the key to like AD's success was when he came in and how did he kind of change things for, for you as a player? Um, you know, I think what AD really gave me was confidence. You know, you know, AD was one of those guys that really, he instilled belief like very few managers I've ever had did. And, and he, he and yeah, people may, may, may forget, but he was the youngest manager in all the leagues at the time. I think he was 34. He had just been signed from the youth director at Leeds. So he had, he had zero professional coaching experience. And so we, when you think about like the belief that he started with having no professional coaches experience was, was phenomenal. And he came in and really started to ride our ships and 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 and, and really change our belief systems. And and that's what I, I really remember about int- the introduction of AD Boothroyd. So he just he provided this spark of opportunity and belief that I think in the position we were at, we were kind of surprised. You know, because as you guys know, we were we were picked to go down. You know, yeah, we were. Down. You know, we we had started the season so poorly, and 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 the squad we had was a good squad, but again, maybe we didn't believe it. Maybe. Maybe maybe we hadn't done that. So I think AD provided a, an incredible fresh spark in this new belief system that says, wait, hold on. And I remember the first day, you know, like I'm sure this has been famously said, but like first day, AD said, with this room, we got to be playoffs minimum to get promoted to the Premier League. And again, like <clears throat> most of our fans, most of the mindset of like, we're looking at the papers going, oh, we're going down. And he comes in with this spark and goes, we're going up, boys. <laughs> you know, like that, that's... That's a that's a rare quality, I think, in a young, hungry manager, and and I think that his belief and his ability to kind of be that was was refreshing. It was it was really nice to see him come in and, and do that. And and I was almost in the same position. If you look at that metaphorically, like I'm in the same position as him. I'm this young good dude that nobody's ever heard of. I I can I can I can go in there and play with that belief too. I can go in there and be that person. And, and eighty really kind of started to instill that in me. Um, and by the end of that season, again, I was starting. We 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 were in a position to to make the playoffs, and he had us uh, running like a well-oiled machine. Did um, just, yes, just oh sorry, Ben. I was just going to say just uh, another thing on obviously AD coming in. Did you believe in that position um, that we were in with obviously a few games to go? I remember us winning at Rotherham away one nil, um, and we won at Stoke as well away one nil. Um, to to stay in the league, did you guys believe when he came in that we would actually stay up at that point, or was there a genuine concern that actually we might go down? I think we're having a. You ask it again, Joe. Oh, can you hear me, Joe? All right. We can edit all this out, don't worry. Oh, I think we're back. Sorry, I think there's yeah. a blip. 
That's Sorry, right. We can edit it out. Don't worry. <laughs> no, I was just I was just saying, like obviously going back to when AD came in. Um, obviously, the position we were in, um, we won at Rotherham away one nil, and we then went to Stoke and, and won one nil as well to stay in the league that season. So it kind of relieved the pressure of the, towards the last game of the season. I believe we were at home. Um, did you believe? Uh, did you believe that we would stay up from that position, or was there a genuine concern that we would actually go down when AD came in? I mean. It, uh... I think that we were we were confident in our in our, in our squad. I think I, I do think that that was part of the gift that we had. Is that we liked each other. We like you know you could you could kind of see that especially after eighty really made that happen. But there was a good group in there, and I I don't think that there was a true worry. But I, but again, when 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 you're in those situations, it's hard not to think about it. But but I definitely think that I, I wouldn't say there was a fear we were going to go down, but it was definitely nice to have somebody come in with the confidence that we could actually go the other direction. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, was it in your uh, first season, you got your first goal for Watford as well at home to Crew Alexandra. It wasn't a typical center half goal. Was it Jay? It was from outside the box, but <laughs> well, you don't see many defenders scoring. When we saw an American coming over and scoring those type of goals, we were like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> well, I never scored another one like it, but uh it was uh, it was it was one of those things, you know. I think, you know, I remember. I just remember always wanting the ball. That was kind of one of the things that that really that 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 I I love to do as a defender. Just go and win that thing. And I and I think it it kind of. I remember stepping around and kind of chesting it down and seeing that full lane of of like of, of I can actually come in and hit this thing from twenty five yards out. And you know, more center backs see like we don't really hit those, but I thought, you know, I'll step into this and see if I can hit it. And it just sort of comes off and, and, uh, and, and, and you go ahead and you, you, you score your first goal on a volley, which, which definitely doesn't happen often, but uh, uh, it was nice to get off the mark. And cause you know, as a center back, you don't score often, but you're always, you always, it's on the back of your mind. Like I got to get off the mark. I'd love to score a goal in this environment. Cause I'd never done that before. So that was a good way to get off, uh, off the mark for sure. Yeah. I can, uh, I can only imagine. And, um, barring, I'm, I'm jumping the gun a little bit here, barring the playoff final uh, in which you scored, a uh, brilliant header, still remember it as clear as day, even though I was only 10 years old. Um, what is your, what's your favourite game um, at Watford, in, in your time at Watford? Do you, do you have a, a game that sort of sticks in the mind other than the, the playoff final? Um... I think the uh, the Premier League game against Manchester United and the subsequent one against Blackburn, A, because I was playing in the Premier League, which was incredible, and I remember the tunnel moment of standing in Vicarage Road, standing to my right and seeing, like, Skulls, Ronaldo. Remember that team? It was Skulls, Ronaldo, Van der Sar, Giggs, Rooney. Like, they were, they were, the, like, they were, they, they had that incredible lineup. And I remember sitting there going, like, shaking my head and laughing to myself in my head going i cannot believe that two years earlier like you know like i was sitting in a park in chicago you, you, know, <laughs> you, know, you know what i mean like so i remember that moment specifically because that was at one of our first home games in the premier league that year and 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 and, and to really because i mean it, 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 as an american they don't they they like the championship but they don't they love the premier league and so all of a sudden you, you you're in the premier league and now all of a sudden people care and so that's when I started to get a lot of that kind of real notoriety in the States um, because they could watch me finally. <laughs> they could actually see me play on TV, which was kind of cool. And so for me to be in those moments playing against those big players, those giants of men and those giants of players was like a, a, a really defining moment in my in, in my Watford career for sure. Yeah, that was, a, that was a good game, that United game. I remember we lost. I'm going to try and remember i think it was like the 86th minute i think we conceded at home mm. i was gutted we kind of held out and it was a very late goal like most were that season we kind of we were a nearly side weren't we we nearly pulled off a couple of good results and and just missed out um but um going back kind of just going back to the season before in that playoff season when we um we obviously got promoted we played crystal palace and leeds in in the semi-finals and the final um, we, I don't know if you remember this, but we lost all four games, both home and away against Palace and Leeds that season. 
Um, so obviously going into the playoffs and looking at the playoffs at that time, I mean, I remember looking at it and being like, Christ, what are we going to do here? Like, um, we just lost all, all the games against it. How's it going to go? Like, how did you, what did kind of like AD say to you guys going into those games um, to try and kind of give you guys confidence to, to go and win the games? Um, well, we had this thing, um, we did this thing called, which I now call the circle mentality. So we used to sit in a circle every Sunday. I, I don't know if you guys have ever heard that story, but that's what we used to do every Sunday. We would come in the meeting room and be in a circle. And it would, it was a way that we would like create communication and accountability for each other. And in a way, that was a brilliant way that 80 was able to create this teamwork that allowed us to all be together. And you could see like, you know, as we started to enter the playoffs, we had hit our goals of the season. You know, and, and you guys, I, I'm sure have heard of the story as well. When we got on the bus and we went to Cardiff, before the, the week before the game yeah and so i i think those two moves uh, by 80 were brilliant that that year of, of getting us in, in, a, in a situation where we were always growing and always staying accountable was the circle mentality but then this ability to say like oh we actually made it we're playing against these big guns leads and commercial palace that are already predicted to head north again but yet we're still Watford and we predicted this all year round that we were going to do this. Remember in the beginning of the season when I told you this guy's like, so that's what the, the Cardiff moment was. It was like, he took us to Cardiff to an empty stadium mm. to show us how far we had come that season. Do you guys remember when you were this player that no one thought they could actually be in the, the second division? Do you guys remember when you were this American kid that got picked up off the streets and now is a, now is a championship starter? And ready to go make a, make make an impact on this game. Do you remember when you then so he he took us in that circle of the millennium and he told us how far we've come in that season, and he allowed us to really imagine ourselves in the Premier League. And I'll remember that to the day I die, and I still get goosebumps thinking about it. And he said, and he finished that circle by saying, and then one of the real reasons I brought you here is because on Sunday, I think it was a Sunday or whatever day it was, we'll walk out of here like we've been here before, and we did. And we walked out of there like we like we were like we had been there before, like we had played in that stadium and understood that environment, and we certainly played like it. And, and, and Leeds came in and didn't know what hit them. We, we've um, had the pleasure of interviewing a few players that got promoted with you that season. So we've spoken to Marlon King, Jordan Stewart, um, really great lads, Anthony McNamee as well, and, and they've all said you won it in the tunnel you intimidated leads in the tunnel do you want to talk to us about how you guys prepared for that and like from a player's point of view of what it was like in the tunnel at that point before you walked out to be um yeah walk out onto the pitch with all the fireworks and the fans yeah and we had this thing i mean again jordan was a hype man uh but you know we we, we were loud we were loud and would like he'd be shouting we did this thing that Jordan used to shout like work time, work time. You go like, this, like, like we were all, like jumping up and down, and like everyone would make a bunch of noise, and that was our goal. Like that was one of the things we talked about in our pre in our pre talk, you know, of the match was like let's in the tunnel, let's be loud, let's be. And we were like that against Crystal Palace too, and we had we had gained this energy about us, you know, we had confidence about us, you know, we wiped the floor with Crystal Palace on the way in too, you know, to go to their barn. Mm -hmm. You know, to go to their stadium and 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 wipe the floor the way they did, the fight on the sidelines with a nil-nil draw at home, you know. And again, as a defense, Malky, Jordan, myself, and James Chambers, we're like, we're we're still should we have a shut door here? We we still have a clean sheet to uh, on the table. Like we no no team I believe at the time had ever kept a clean sheet throughout the whole entirety of the playoffs. And so, you know, for us that was one of our goals. We were one of our, we were one of those uh, like from internally from a defensive standpoint, we're like we're still on a clean sheet here. Let's keep that going. But then you got our hype men and our guys like Marlon that were gaining confidence to go and score and Ashley Young and those kinds of guys. And so we're like, let's be loud. Let's be ourselves. Let's go on defense. You guys go, you guys go out and do your thing. Keep that at zero. And then offense, you go out there and keep doing what you're doing. And, and so we, we brought that swag in right into that tunnel. And you could see, like, it's so funny when they pan over the leads and it's like crickets. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then your, the, the goal let's talk about the goal Jay it was um, a, a corner for Watford down the Leeds end Ashley Young was standing over it you, you knew you was going to get a good delivery from Ashley Young um, we all know his quality over a, a Deadpool um, situation if he popped it in the right area you just needed to meet it 
And my God, you you met it. You came through about three or four players and you, you just went through it like a tank, just going through brick walls. Um, and, and what was that reaction when the ball hit the back of the net? Did you hear the fans or, or did it all like blur? Because it was all a sense of, Jesus Christ, this has just happened. Like, <laughs> how did it all... Um, it was a full Frank the Tank blackout moment, to be honest, once I felt the thud of that hut, the, of, of the ball. But a precursor to the story, and you guys are going to love this, is because Rob Hulse was my mark. And Rob Hulse, in that in with the two times we lost to Leeds that year at home, I got sent off. The only time I ever got sent off in my career was against Leeds at home. And it was a second yellow against Rob Hulse, who baited me because I was like chomping at the bit to get through him in the second in the second half. And he baited me. And he he knew I I didn't even touch him, and he baited and he baited me, and he got me sent off for my second yellow. And it was a really good learning experience for me to know that there's embellishment in this game. And so that was one of my key learning moments. But I know that he did it fraudulently. And so all of a sudden, at the end of that season, guess who's marking me on that corner? And guess who I see. <laughs> baiting that front post because you guys normally remember I'm, I'm a front post run. Mm -hmm. I, I'm a, I come in and I nick it at the front. I'm, I'm kind of run for front foot takeoff. No, near post was generally my run and I can see him cheating. I can see him cheating. And I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm just going to, I'll go around the back this time because normally that was my run, but I saw him take, I, I saw him, you watch the save. He takes two steps to the right. I'm like, okay, he's, he knows where I'm going. And so this time I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to loop around the back and, Again, as 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 fate would have it, that's right where I came. And so all of a sudden, I see that thing lining up. And I don't even, again, I'm not paying attention to anything. All I see is that thing. And it's like, oh, that's right where I'm going. <laughs> and now it's just like, you know, boom. And as I can see, that's the only thing I'm concentrating on. I'm not looking at anything except for that ball and then and hitting it square. And as you said, uh, I hit it about as square as you could possibly hit. <laughs> and, then, and Ashley Young delivery. And uh, uh, and sure enough, and then again, that thud, I'll, I'll never forget the thud of the head. And then I kind of forget, I black out. And then I remember, the thing I remember is is Marlon, and he's got my face, and he's shaking my head. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and it was a kind of bad, we were kind of at the top of the box by then. And I just remember him saying, like, we got a job to do. Because again, 80 was so drilled. We were so well drilled into, like, our game plan, our game plan. If we score, this is what we do. And I, I remember Marlon kind of shaking my head, reminding me now, now we got a job to do, get back to your job. And that was one of Marlon's gifts. He was, he was, a, he was a thorn in our side. He made sure people had, had, had tough reminders that we were going to do our jobs. And, and, and I remember that's the second thing I remember after the thud blackout and then him shaking my head and going, we got a job to do, <laughs> get, get back to work. But well done. <laughs> <laughs> You're talking about, um, you mentioned about being a, a, a front post um, header of the ball coming in from corners. Do you remember the um, Do you remember the Wolves game that season when um, uh, Ben Foster, I'm probably going to say still to this day, was probably the best game I think I ever remember in Abham in, in a Watford shirt. He made, I, I think, save after save in that first half. And we ended up winning, somehow winning the game 3-1. But you got, I think if I remember rightly, you got the first goal at the midway through the second half. Uh, I can't remember who it was put the corner over, but it was one of those uh, near post. You literally got away from your marker and just glanced it into the corner. Actually won me a lot of money because I'd actually bet on you to score the first goal at the start. <laughs> of the um, I was delighted that, that game. I'll take that. And that, that was actually one of my favorite goals because when you get when you get that near post run, because you got the near post run, you got to come in at pace, right? And so mm -hmm. like when you in in one of the one foot takeoff. Like to get the timing right to actually come in at the pace that you need to on the near post because you're not coming in off the backside of it. You can you kind of come into on it. You got to come in fast and flick it on, and so that was actually which is actually really really hard to do. And so that Wolves goal was actually the one time I actually did it and it worked perfectly. So thanks for reminding me of that one because that was uh, that was that was the one time when you come in at that pace and get the right glance on the ball. That's that that's what that near post run is exactly supposed to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, you you mentioned there, obviously, you, you blacked out and then Marlon King was right, you know, focus now, we've got a job to do. You did that job superbly because uh, if, if I'm not mistaken, if, if our research is correct um, and I remember correctly, you won man of the match that game. Uh, that must have been something, that, that must have been the cherry on the cake. Like, you've scored in a playoff final, 
you're thinking, uh, you're probably thinking, you know, not long ago I was, um, I came over to England playing for Northwood. I've now just got Watford promoted to the Premier League and I've won Man of the Match. Like, you must have been buzzing in that changing room afterwards. Oh, yeah. No, and in, in, outside of, you know, national anthem, hand on heart, hearing your national anthem at a World Cup, which happened to be against England, you know, that was the greatest moment I've ever had on a, on a, on a, on a football pitch. But the second greatest moment on a football pitch was that day. You know, not only scoring the goal, and keeping a clean sheet again if we went to kept a clean sheet i probably wouldn't have got man of the match but because mm-hmm. we did um I, again we were the only team that was able to, to to keep a clean sheet at the time throughout the playoffs and i think that had something to do with it plus the first goal and i think you know i just remember i just remember the feeling of saying this camera chased me and i was like what is this camera chasing me for and i was like oh because they're presenting me with this gla- this ball in a, in a case i was like whoa this is this is cool and and so with that came the whole idea of, 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 you know, what does this mean? And, and, and for me, that was it. That was the culmination of all the work, my family actually being in the stands that day. Cause that, you know, again, a lot of those, that, a lot of my journey was, was, was alone. You know, your family and your supporting system doesn't really get to come with you. You know what I mean? Where I, where I'm from, my family and my support system, you know, again, Watford for the two years that I had been there previously were my support system at the time, but, you know, to actually have my parents in the stands that day and my brother and my sister-in-law and and, and all, all my friends and family from Wisconsin and all the, the coaches and the non-league, the family, the Keens that I was staying with that, 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 that were, uh, you know, that were in the stands that day, you know, having them all there to enjoy that with me was, was the culmination of it all, you know, because you very rarely do all those pieces fit in the one place. And, and, and that day at the Millennium, all those pieces fit. And uh, and it just made that day, you know, the ultimate. So three nil, man of a match, Premier League player. What was the party like that evening? Did, did, <laughs> I think we spoke to Marlon, and he said a few of you went out into Cardiff afterwards. Were you one of them that went out afterwards? Yes. If you know anything yeah. about me, I'm always the one that's out. <laughs> 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 but. But yeah, always at the right times, and, and and so that was one of those times. And uh, you know, again, my family was out, so we took my bread, took my brother out, and it was it was nice to have him kind of live this experience with me. You know what I mean? Like it was just so fun, and 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 I think you know, for me, it's 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 one of those special moments. You know, how many how many people get to live in those environments? You know, from fans to players, like you know, you can count them almost on a hand you know how many times you get to do that in a life and 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 i think that that for me was 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 the again the culmination of it all and the party afterwards and 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 everything i don't think we stopped partying for about two days afterwards but uh, (laughs) uh, you know that's what it's supposed to be that's when you can you can let loose and 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 say the job is done And, and and again i think you know 80 80 was was very adamant that we all enjoy those moments because we again because they are so rare because they are so unique and experience that uh, you, you, those are meant to be enjoyed. And, and I know you guys enjoyed it as much as we did. Absolutely. Oh, there, was sure a, did. there was some characters in that, in that dressing room. So I can only imagine what the party was like. We've, like <laughs> Ben said earlier, we've had Jordan Stewart on and he's an absolute live wire. So uh, I can imagine what that was like. But um, just, Oh yeah. Just, well, I, was, I saw Jordan just a couple of weeks ago. He's now coaches at San Jose. Oh uh, yeah, he does actually. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. So he not. was up in Vancouver a couple of weeks ago, so I took him and his boys, the, the coaches out. Their game wasn't until two o'clock the next afternoon, so he's like, "Joe, what's going on, Jay?" I was like, "Oh, let me take you guys out." So we we relived some of those memories like a few weeks ago. So we still got it. Uh, <laughs> I, know, I know he's coaching. I uh, I went on holiday back in June and uh, bumped into him at the airport. So uh, oh no yeah, way. Nice, nice to chat to him. So yeah, he's great he's, guy. He's doing great he's, things. Um, Jose. Yeah, he's a really top bloke. He's uh, he's from Birmingham as well, um, mm. same as myself. So mm. that uh, that always is nice when you've got a player from the same area as you um, mm. and doing bits like he did for for Watford. Um, just looking back uh, at your, your your sort of time at Watford as a whole, who would you say the best player you've faced in a Watford shirt is? Best player I've faced. Um... Drogba. Mm. Drogba for me was the toughest. Um, you know, I wasn't the biggest center back in the world 
And so, you know, I could jump, I could compete, but guys like him were the ones that were hard because he could beat me in the air. They could beat me on the ground. He could, he could, he could, he could hit it from 25 or he could push it past you if you give him too much, if you give him too much pressure. So he was just one of those guys that was just incredibly hard to unlock. Mm. You know, I remember him, me and Danny Shitu had a, you know, and Danny was a beast. And so he, and, and I'd never seen Danny get beasted like Didier Drogba beasted him. He, he we had, F, we had a Chelsea in the FA Cup in back to back years too. And so he, he just run, ran us ragged. And I think he was, he, they won Champions League that year too. And I think, you know, I'd look back at those memories and the hardest player, him and Jason Roberts were the two hardest, hardest players that I had trouble with. Okay. Um, and in uh, let, let's flip the question. Who was the most talented player to come into Watford uh, with your time at the club? Um, I mean, Ashley Willie was there and I would say Ben, Ben Foster for sure. It was just really nice to play with a, with a, with a world-class goalkeeper. You know, like a, a, a goalkeeper like Ben, that was, he was, he, he was a, he was just one of those guys that was really encouraging always, and, and you know, man, I was always trying to be an encouraging player too, and you know, we worked really well together, we respected each other, and 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 we had a lot of fun out there. You know, I also like, yeah, you want to have fun with your boys too. It's not just like this go out and compete. It's like, and that's what I loved about those championship winning teams we had at Watford throughout those years. It was like we had a lot of fun. You know, we we, we liked each other. You know, again, to your point earlier, uh, uh, Mike, it was, you know, we had a bunch of characters mm-hmm. and good characters make good groups. And, and, and we needed those. And, 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 and I think, you know, we had them in so many, so many different positions, even Malky from, you know, the, the, the leadership that he brought to Gavin's cool calmness that he brought to the center, uh, to Marlins again, like that kind of confident thorn in your side. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to kill all you guys mentality to, the fun loving I, we're happy to be here but but good 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 talent like ben and and, and myself and, and you know the, the, these are the type of characters that you need and and and, and i think uh, that that those teams especially uh were, were full of characters um yeah going on to um the grounds obviously in the premier league obviously i know you know you could have only dreamt of playing of uh, old trafford anfield the emirates um, that season we went up. Uh, obviously, you mentioned Old Trafford earlier. If you take take that Old Trafford out of it, what what was your favourite um, away ground um, that you played at that that season in the Premier League? Um, I'd say, I mean, Newcastle for sure was one of them because of the Andy Farrell connection. Remember when we had Andy Farrell there for a while and. and um, he he was one of the first guys that really I was buddies with because we had signed him from Newcastle. He was from Newcastle. And so my first year at Watford, whenever Newcastle would come down and play Charlton or any of the London teams, if we were around, like on a Tuesday night, I would go. And he really helped adopt me into footballs and uh, what football was like in the stands. And so I, I learned a lot about what, what, what it's like in the terraces through the eyes of the Newcastle because I would go sit with them listen to their chants and whatever and so i i, I kind of had this affinity to want to play at st james's park because of the people that i connected with from the newcastle connection if you know what i mean yeah so i think that newcastle was also a pretty special uh, stadium to go play in because of that reason did you uh, did you have one eye on the game last night by any chance uh, when they they played psg i didn't actually i didn't actually why well, i've seen the highlights but uh, i i uh uh, it, it's, it's, I just, I just, I just think they're, they're one of those clubs that really does like, they care so much, but they're, but they're more on like a positive side of it. Like they're more fun. Like they're funnier. I, I like, they make me laugh so much. Like when I was just yeah. guys, they just laugh the whole time. Like the Jordies just have a great spirit about them. And, and, and that was always something I really appreciated about, you know, the different types of fans in England is that, you know, the Jordies, yeah, they love and they care and they're, they're passionate just like all the rest, but, you know they're they're funny. They're funny. Yeah, they're great. They're great people. I've got an answer yeah. to Geordie, so yeah, I know exactly how much they like to party and how fun they are. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, the ghost goal. Uh, we couldn't not do the interview and talk about the famous ghost goal. Um, what? Um, obviously, I've I've seen it so many times. I was I, I fondly remember being there and wondering what the hell was going on. Um, obviously the. Um, I remember Scott Loach putting the ball down. 
And then the next thing you see in, in the video is you're one of the first people uh, over to the linesman. Um, can you tell us like what you actually said to the linesman when you got there and kind of what, what was kind of unfolding um, from that point? I mean, I couldn't believe it. I, I was like, I, 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 you know, when you like, when you can't believe what's happening right in front of your eyes and you don't actually know what to do about it because there's nothing you can technically do about it because back then we didn't, we couldn't go to the tape, you know, like it's like, this is what the ref has made the decision on, but I know that this didn't happen because I was right there. <laughs> and I remember running over there and saying like, I can't, I cannot believe that this is what you think happened. Like, this is not what happened. Like, this is not what happened. And then, then I, the ref came over and I remember, I remember in my mind thinking like, what can I do here? Like, and I, and I remember like thinking in my, in my mind to think like, can I actually organize like a sit-in right now where I'm just going to sit down? <laughs> and that I remember thinking that like, I can, can I get Lloyd and everyone else to like sit down with me and like us not get up until we can go to the tape and go to the championship sports or sky bet or whatever we need to go to. And then I'm not going to stand <laughs> up until we can, until we can actually see that this is not what happened. Um, but that was my thought. But, uh, but again, like, I just, I remember talking to the ref going like, you are going to see this. And I remember saying this, like, you are going to see this and you are going to be embarrassed <laughs> with what you, with what you, what, what you said. And sure enough, you know, I'm sure he was. It was, um, it was Stephen Hunt, wasn't it? From Reading that was over That's the linesman. What, what was he saying to the linesman? Uh, well, again, he, 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 Stephen Hunt was an embellisher. He always trying to get people sent off and falling down. Yeah. And, you know, he was the man that played to embellishment. And again, that's advantage to him. And, and he was that. And, he, and so he, he, uh, he was over there going, no, no, yo, yo, you know what I mean? Pointing to the spot. You know what I mean? Like, it's crazy. But you know what I mean? Like, at, at that time, again, there was no VAR. So you know, what you see is what you get. <laughs> yeah. uh, we, we're just going to go through a few questions that um, some of our listeners actually requested to ask for you. Um, firstly, um, Mikey Abraham, we, we asked for um, who wanted to put questions in for yourself tonight, Jay. And Mikey Abraham replied, no questions, just tell him he's a legend. Um, <laughs> so that, that's from Michael Abraham. Um, Fra Frankie Holiday says, can you ask him to put in a good word about having a preseason tour in the US? <laughs> well, again, I am, I still am the active North American uh, ambassador for the club. So um, I'm always looking for opportunities, both. And, and it's funny you guys say that I, I am, I am talking specifically to a couple um, organizations in the States um, for trying to bring people from North America that want to come check out games. And, and, and so we're going to start to try to do more things about bringing North American fans to uh, over over to England and enjoying the Watford experience coming to Vicarage Road. Sometimes I might be able to come too and do like more of like a personalized tour of like, you know, as an American that's that that's moved to England and, and, and been adopted by this amazing club and kind of make it almost more more personal. And so we're looking to do more of that in the future and, and, and continue to, you know, grow the club in North America as, as it should be. And, and again, like people haven't even even they don't even understand the elton effect you know like elton john is the most the most american you know famous people in america you know what i mean and they don't even know that he's a part of the club and so as we get to the second ring of this uh you know and elton gets more of the second ring of his retirement um we hope to do more with the club in north america and because again we're just getting started we're 100 years behind and so just getting to know the club and getting to know the history of it and the culture of the club and you know, Elton is such a great talking point to get Americans and North Americans interested as to what goes on in, in, in Northwest London. You know what I mean? What goes on out there in Vicarage Road? And so I think, you know, for me, it's something not only in my personal experience that, that, that is incredible, but it, it's also just how do we now prove and, and show that, that, that Vicarage Road is such a special place and it is the original family club and all these other ways that, that we can we continue to promote the club across the pond. And, 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 I, and I very much uh, want to be a part of that. What would you obviously Watford's very close to your heart, Jay? What would you say you love the most about Watford? I think it's just that it's the community itself. You know, I always talk a lot about being from Green Bay. You know, Green Bay, Wisconsin, is is a place that is uh, it's the original family club in American football. You know, like it's the only club I think almost in the world that's owned by its, well, partly owned by its club or by by its fans. You know, it's a it's a eighty five thousand seat stadium in a hundred thousand person town. You, you know what I mean, like. And so community is, is something that was at the core of everything that I knew. 
in my life growing up with a big stadium in my backyard. And so when I was able to kind of move into the Watford side and be that and be a leader for the club and all that kind of thing, I saw and I felt the same. I felt that environment. I felt the community and the depths of, 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 of what sport creates in culture. And I think, you know, to be a part of that, to learn that and then be a leader in that for me was the ultimate privilege, you know, to be an American and be a club, uh, a foreign captain in a, in a, in a place, uh, you know, that is so passionate culturally, especially in England, you know, was an honor, you know, like, again, that doesn't mm -hmm. happen to very, very few, you know, for me, I, I never took that opportunity lightly. I, I never took that opportunity for granted. And, uh, and I always appreciated it so much. And, it, and I always felt that kind of community feel that family feel that I've always felt in Green Bay when I would walk in the terraces at Lambeau Field. And uh, I think that for me is, is what makes Watford so special. And then finally, we just, we just um, talk about Rise and Shine, Jay, um, your footballing movie. Um, how did it all come about? Did, did, did someone obviously see the story of an American guy trying to get his break, traveling Europe, trying to get into football, like knocking on doors, trial after trial, being rejected, and then you got your break in a, in, in a uh, trial um, for Northwood against Watford and then Premier League football, scoring a goal in the playoff final. How did it all come about? Well, it was actually just before the World Cup. My friend, who was a friend with a filmmaker, was like, dude, if you make the World... He calls me up. He's like, dude, if you make the World Cup team, like, that's the best rise of any American ever. Like, how is this story not being told? Like, we need to tell this story. And I'm like, dude, you're... Like, I thought we made legacy stories, like, when it's all said and done. Like, I'm in the middle of my career, bro. Like, come on, man. Like, I, I don't know. I don't want to be making a movie about myself in the middle of my career. But he's like, no, he's like, the power isn't in how you, it, what you have. It's power is how you got there. And, and I, and he very, and I very much agreed with that. And so he convinced me and he's like, this needs to be told. And, 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 and again, if we need to, if we're going to tell this story properly, we need to send a camera to the world cup. And, and again, cause you can't retroactively get footage from the world cup. And so he's like, we got to do this now. And so I was like, okay, I guess I get that. And so I was like, I don't want anything to do with it. This is all you guys. I'm not going to make a movie about me. I don't want that ego to be involved. I said, but just let me know what interviews you need. And I'll, that's what I'll do. I'll get that. I'll set up the interviews of the people. We need. And so that's all, that's all I did. But then at the time, like crowdfunding wasn't a thing. It was brand new. And so it's like, how do you, and so the marketing guy that, that we were working with was like, we're going to go to this thing called Kickstarter. And we're going to raise the money to pay for the footage. Because it, it, it costs fifty thousand dollars a minute to produce a World Cup footage. It costs forty grand a minute at the time to produce uh, Premier League footage. Forty k a minute that you got to buy for the for the rights to produce. And so wow. we had to raise like they had to raise like hundred and eighty grand just to make the movie interesting. Because <laughs> you know, like you guys have seen, you know, what you have to do even then for interest, you got to put still photos in there. Because if you put a if you put the video of me scoring, they'll come at you and be like, you. You guys got to pay for that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, that that's what we had to do to make the film. And so there's like, how do we raise that money? Who's going to pay for that? And so the, the, the marketing guy was like, no, there's this thing called Kickstarter. We'll get the we'll get the community to pay for it. And so in a way, that's kind of what we did. And, and so it was just so interesting and so cool to see the soccer community come together and appreciate my story enough to donate their hard-earned money. People I don't even know. You know, that was the, that was the most thing, that thing for me was and, and, and the most impressive, but the most you know, humbling thing for me was to see people that I don't even know donating 500, 200, you know, whatever it is that they could do a 30, I think was the DVD minimum was like, you get the DVD and it was like 30 bucks or whatever. And it was like, just to see people come together and, and, and share that story was such a community thing. And, and, and that's what rise and shine is, you know, and what we do now and rise and shine for me is, has graduated into a youth program. Uh, we use the movie as a tool to help the next generation believe that they can go and do the impossible because everyone else tells them that they can't, you know, and I'm an example of that. And, and the movie is a tool that can help anybody in this world show that you can go and do things that everyone will tell you that you can't. And, 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 and that's what Rise and Shine is now. And Rise and Shine is a youth program. Uh, we're about to uh, launch an app next year with EA that's going to gamify learning for the next generation that allows people wow. to understand themselves, to create belief throughout gamified experiences of celebrities and brands, kind of like Masterclass, but it's fun and gamified. And so with that, um, you, you get a, a greater understanding of yourself, which then allows you to go out and do things that you believe that you can. And that's the core of, of what we do at our youth programs and our leadership programs for teenagers. We, we help them understand who they are. 
And that was my gift is that I was, I was allowed through my crazy story, having a degree in the arts and in the, in, in the design process, having a bunch of, you know, tools within my tool belt because I wasn't part of these programs. I was able to go find life experiences and find durable skills that allowed me to be a better pro that allowed me to be able to talk to bosses and to be coachable. You know, all these intangibles that I had based on my tough life by not getting picked allowed me to be a much better pro and a captain in the end. And so with what, with what rise and shine does is rise and shine tells that story and, and it does it in a way that allows people to understand themselves and believe in themselves that you can go out and do things that no one else you can do. If you know what you're like, if you know what you're capable of, if you have the skill sets to go out and do those things because you've earned them. And so this is what rise and shine is now. And, and, and that's what I lead every day. Uh, and, and it's a privilege to be a part of that, you know, and having Watford be such a huge part of that story is, is always been something I'm, I'm proud to talk about. And, and, and of course, game-winning goals and playoff finals and man-of-the-match trophies always help. But, uh, um, you know, th- this is what it's all about. And, and, and that's what Rise and Shine is. And, and this is my, kind of my purpose in post-career is is to help people understand that they can do it too. Yeah, it's an, amaz- it's an amazing film. I've, I've seen it. And, uh, yeah, good luck with the uh, with the app next year. It's, I, hope it, um, I hope it takes off and does as well as the film. Um just going, obviously, based on Watford and what they're doing at the moment. Obviously, you said championship games don't get shown too much over in uh, in the states. Have you managed to catch many games lately? See what's going on? Kind of uh, see see how well we're doing now. Badly we're doing. <laughs> I was gonna say, I was gonna, I was waiting for the second part, but uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I pay attention from afar. Unfortunately, I don't get to watch a lot of the games. Uh, every now and then uh, on DAZN, they have the Watford will be one of the championship games that it picks up. So I will definitely, definitely watch those. Um, you know, I, I just think, you know, the championship's all about leadership. And, and I think we just need a couple of these leaders that we've had at the club for the last couple of years to step into those leadership roles. You know, the, the, and I think that's going to be the key to this season. You know, there are, there are guys... You know, Sierra and, and, and Bachman and, and, and some of these guys that have been there for a little while. They need to now step into this leadership role, write the ship and be the club that we are. And, and you know, I, I think we have the talent to do that. But I think mm. it's just there's a bit of a jockeying position to who's going to actually step into those leadership roles for this club. Right now, it seems like there's a little bit of a revolving door as to who's playing, who's going to play, who's going to perform. And, I, and again, that's a that's a new coach's job to figure out. And, and, and I think he's that's what he's trying to do right now. Mm. I, I don't see too many guys stepping into that leadership role, which is the only worrisome point, which I want to see. I'd love to see some of these guys stepping into that, but uh, you know, that's, that's going to be now as we move into, uh, into the, the real meat of the season. That's, that, that's what I'm sure you guys and, and I expect is that though some of those players are going to now step into that and be that for this club, because that's the only way you have a good season in the championship is to have good leaders mm-hmm. go and grind out wins and grind out points because that's what the championship is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, have you got any? Um, have you got any plans to come over anytime soon to get to Vicarage Road? I'm hoping so. I, I try to get there at least once or twice a season. So uh, you know, that's always one of my goals every year is, is to get there. My son is is now finally starting to take into the game. Like we live in beautiful Whistler, British Columbia. He skis and mountain bikes every day. So he grew up in the mountains. Um, and, and so you know, football and soccer is, is a little bit further down the road. Uh, but he's starting to play now <laughs> a little bit more. He's starting to like the game a little bit more. And you know, he sees the games, he understands what it is, but he's never been to the Vic. So that's still on my bucket list is to, is to get him over as soon as possible so I, we can start to adopt him uh, as, as a young Hornet. But, uh, um, you know, he's starting to like, take a little bit more interest in the game. So that's another thing I want to I want to I want to start to take off as well. Oh, lovely. Well, uh, it'd be good, be good to see you if you, if you do come over. Hit us up for a bit. 100 percent. 100 percent. Yeah, um, be, yeah. It, it, let us know when you're coming over, Jay. It'll be fantastic to um, meet you in person um, and get a drink with you because actually me me and Joe's both um, have got photos with you before. Uh, I'm just trying to load them up onto the screen so you can see how much me and Joe's changed from it, but also yourself as well. Um, obviously, we're all looking much younger. I think I was about 16 back in the day <laughs> in these photos. So I'm just having a look now. Um, here we go. So Joe's obviously on the left-hand side. I'm on the right-hand side in the green top. Um, so yeah, it'd be, it'd be fantastic if we Look could like try and get some new photos with you when you're over, Jay, and have a drink as well. Um, 
my photo on the right was, I don't know if you remember, Jay, whenever you guys used to park up your car down at the bottom of the, the car park, you would walk up that little um, alleyway to the stadium. And me and Joe was the annoying little kids that would sit on the side waiting to, for you to walk up to pester you for autographs and photos every week. <laughs> well, you know, that's what I loved. You know, I was always one of those one of those players that really enjoyed those I, those those walks. Uh, you know, I, I, I was one of those guys that really... I really appreciated that 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 kind of because it really got me in the mindset of the game. It's like it's not this isn't my show; it's our show. You know, at the end of the day, and if you, and this is why I don't like the protection of the players as much as it is now. Like they're so protected; like they're not even allowed to talk to you guys. You know, if, unless unless mm-hmm. they take it upon themselves to jump the barrier and go hug you guys or stay around after or take the bus route around to go sign autographs for people waiting in the wings, like. It's not really part of the game as much as it needs to be, in my opinion. I, you know, I think that that Vicarage Road walk was always like a nice way to connect with the fans on the way to the stadium. Yeah. They, hey, they were all in this together, and let's go get this. Let's go get this this W. And I think, you know, I think I think that's something that any way we can recreate that, any way that we can promote that, and and, and re, you know be part of those types of things is what this game is all about. You know, you guys are the lifeblood of this sport. It's not the players; it's the fans, and so. Mm-hmm. You know, I've always known that and, and I've always and I always been and I truly believe that. And, and and I think the more that you can connect with them. And again, that Vickers Road walk for me always brings back great memories of, of those moments of connections with fans just like yourselves that that make this game so great and make it so interesting and make it so different every time. Every game is different. Every 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 Saturday is different. And that's the whole point of the culture. And, and it's the community that, that makes that culture live. And, 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 and again, I always have so much respect and love. Uh, and admiration for the fans because it, it is truly the lifeblood of what, of what we do. Yeah. Thank you very much, Jay, for your time tonight. But also thank you for absolutely leaving everything on the pitch when you wore that Watford shirt. You're the kind of player that Watford fans are crying out for at the moment. Um, <laughs> at the moment, we we feel like we haven't really got the players who would um, run through brick walls like you did in the playoff final, the leadership skills for just leaving absolutely everything on the pitch and you always gave 110 percent every time you wore that yellow shirt so from me mike and joe thank you for your service for this club you've been absolutely top draw and i know the word legend gets thrown around a lot nowadays but in our eyes you're a watford legend mate you 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 absolutely fantastic career so thank you very much for that but also thank you for joining us tonight it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you so yeah let us know when you come over and yeah you won't have to buy a drink mate <laughs> we don't we won't have to and i'll drink a lot of them put it that way so we'll have a good time but we'll look, we'll look forward to getting back over there soon and again thanks again for having me guys and uh we'll, we'll see you across the pond lovely fantastic so if you've liked the video tonight um everyone um hit that like button hit that subscribe button hit the the bell notification as well and we'll be back soon with a new player interview um come on you warns sports social podcast network